Well, it's a privilege today. We, um, Ryan asked us to bring what God's been putting on our hearts this week. And so we're here to share with you what the Lord's been showing us, aren't we? I'm excited. It'll be very good. <laughs> we're excited. But first, I have a question for you all. I do like my questions. I like to know your opinions and things. So, hands up. Who would consider themselves a horticulturalist? Or a keen gardener, somebody who loves trees. Yeah, we do, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the service for you. This is the service for you. Everybody's being too modest because I know just about everybody in here has a nice garden. Everybody's like trying to keep their hands in, like. Doo, 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 doo. Well, those of you who didn't raise your hands, you're soon going to be all of these things by the end of this service. Amen. Yeah. Because we're going to be talking about today supernatural living and what that has to do with trees. So supernatural living and what that has to do with trees. Put that trees. A, a note down. That's coming at the end. So that's a little, well, that'd be a surprise. So we're going to be journeying through the chapter of Isaiah 55. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open those. We're also going to have the scriptures on the screen for you. But we're going to do Isaiah 55. So we're going to go through the whole chapter of Isaiah 55. Um, and I'm going to start in verse 1 and I'll read it. Okay, I'm just making sure that you have the New King James. So then I'll say, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Um, so... Isaiah is picking up and he's talking about Jesus. This is a messianic prophecy. And we're going to, I'm going to show you that um, in just a second. If you, we're going to flip to John 4.10. Jesus reveals himself. Isaiah, in Isaiah 55, no, probably no one's understanding in the, of the Israelites are understanding what Isaiah is saying here. Who, you know, like why is there water coming? And why are you who have no money coming and buying and eating. But we're going we're gonna to see this right here. Um, John 4.10, Jesus answered and said to her, so he's talking to the Samaritan woman, right? And he says this to her personally, and no one's around. And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus tells the woman at the well, and we kind of know how that story goes. So he reveals himself to her personally. And then in John 7, 37, so this is later, and it says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So in John four ten, Jesus is revealing himself personally to the woman at the well, and just Think about that. Jesus is revealing something to a Samaritan, not a, a Jewish person, um, uh, revealing himself as the living water, as the person that's coming to bring living water that's um, prophesied in Isaiah 55. And then on, in John 7:37, he cries out, so he's telling everyone, he's now revealing himself to the world that he um, is the living water. He is where the water is coming from. 
So we've established that Jesus is who Isaiah is talking about, and let's look back at verse 1. And it says, um, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the water. So it's just calling everybody, everyone who's thirsty. I hope everyone in here has been thirsty. If, if you haven't, we're going to have a talk after. <laughs> I'll check your pulse after the service. Um, come to the water. So everyone who thirsts, that, that includes everyone. And you who have no money, this is the interesting thing, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk. So he's not just talking about, in this prophecy about Jesus, it's not just talking about what you need, which is water. You have to have water to survive. But he's talking about fancy drinks, right? He's talking about the nice, the nice stuff. He's bringing out you know, whatever, whatever, we've, whatever your drink of choice is, whether it's cheer wine or mellow yellow or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's the thing that you like. It's not just the bare minimum. You're coming and you don't have any money. You're not bringing anything, but you're buying, you're receiving. So every gift that God gives us is good. But, you know, man has tried to buy his salvation from the very beginning. From the very beginning, man has tried to do something to get something from God. It's, it's really interesting to me that when God brought the Ten Commandments. Before he brought the Ten Commandments down from the mountain, the people told Moses, whatever God tells us to do, we can do it. They're really confident in their ability to do whatever God told, was going to tell them to do, but they didn't even know what he said. You know, he could have said, well, you got to jump to the moon. You know, it, they were already confident that they could do whatever God told them to do to gain it, to gain their salvation. And, you know, Ryan's been in the past you know, months he's been talking about the law, and the law's purpose is really just to show us that we cannot do it. You know, he just kept adding on laws and laws and laws to show you. And then even Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you've heard it said, and then he, he will quote a law, but I tell you, if you even hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. So Jesus is even going to a, like a further extent, like even the things that you think that you're doing okay, like I haven't killed anybody, I'm good on that one. Jesus is saying, if you hated your brother and you wished that he were dead, same thing. So it's just that, that point of we cannot buy it, and, but what he is giving to us is good. And we're going to read James 1.17, sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm going to re- read James 1.17. It says, oh, every hold, good Hold gift. on a second. Sorry, I'm interrupting you because I forgot a joke. I'm going to tell you. We are... Don't do it. Yeah, please. We're going to do it. We had a little contest. Somebody... It was just friendly. It was friendly. She said, we were reading Bible verses for something. I don't remember what. She said, let's record our voices. You'll read the verse, then I'll read the verse, and we'll see who did it better. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you who lost, but whoever lost went first, so... (laughs) Carry on. Anyway, I'll read this one. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Yeah, so it's God's giving us perfect gifts, things that we can't even come up with, you know, that we can't even generate. We can't even imagine how wonderful they are. So it's not just water. It's wine and milk. And so we're going to read verse 2. It says, why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages 
for what does not satisfy. Yeah, so basically that's saying, you know, don't waste your time on things other than the things of God. Um, His food is the only thing that satisfies. And Mm -hmm. recently, um, Aaron's grandpa passed. And I don't know about you, but whenever that happens, you kind of take a bit of a self-reflection of yourself. You know, what am I doing with my life? Am I doing um, the best as I can, you know? all those sorts of lovely things. And um, I was contemplating what legacy am I going to be leaving when I pass on? You know, am I going to be having wasted my time or my money on things other than God? Um, Should I have loved somebody else more deeply? Um, should I have sown into the kingdom rather than spending my money on something that was futile that's here today and gone tomorrow? You know, you take those things in contemplation, don't you? And I was thinking, you know, if there was uh, two windows before me and one said, things that satisfy the things of God and the things that are just a waste of time, what percentage would I show in each of those windows at the end of my passing? You know, so we were reflecting on that scripture. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? In John 6.63, it says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So the things of God's word, the things of the spirit, his spirit are the things that bring life. Everything else, we can forget about it. It's a waste of time, basically. And then we went on to Isaiah, um, carried on in verse 2, and a little bit of 3, and it says, Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live. So basically he's saying, you know, listen carefully to me, eat my food. Why? Because your soul will live and you'll delight in an abundance. And he says, listen carefully three times. So I think he wants us to get that point. Listen to me, listen to me. You know, I've got life. Everything you find when you come to me will give you life. John, uh, 3 John verse 1 to 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So if our soul prospers, like we just read in Isaiah, incline your ear, come to me, hear, and your soul shall live. It's your soul. If your soul is living, all else will prosper. Mm-hmm. Your finances, your health. You know, everything else will be in order. Yeah. You know, and, it, and some, a side note on that as well. Like, a lot of times, we, and I don't know about you guys, but, but me personally, I feel a lot of times in the past, I felt like God wasn't hearing me when I needed something. And that he was somehow, like, removing this amount of prosperity from me. But if you look at Isaiah, I've, I was reading this verse, and it just, like, stuck out at me. He's saying, listen carefully, incline your ear, hear, 
So if you reverse this statement of what he's saying, the reason that you don't have is because you're not listening. It's because you're not tuning in. It's because you're not hearing, you're not coming to me because I want you to have this. So it's, it's saying that he's a lot more concerned about our prosperity than we are because we're not paying attention. We don't have enough to even pay attention. You know? It's just we're you know, too short to, to, to pay attention to the one who actually has it. We're looking and we're looking at all these things and we're planning our way and this is the job I should have and this is the company I should start and this is my whatever, my five-year plan, my 10-year plan, but we're not focusing on the person of God that wants us to come to him, and he has it, and he wants us to have it more than we want to pay attention to get it. Um, you know, God wants to, to make a deal with us, an everlasting promise, a covenant, and his faithfulness is a sure thing, and we see that. Um, he sent the life of David, and we're going to see that in verse 3 and 4, if you'll put that on the screen. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the people. So God gave David as a sign to the Israelites, but also to us. Look at, at David's life. He really messed up a lot of his life. Like, if he would definitely be on one of those daytime TV shows when it's like, and we're going to bring out the real mother. You know, <laughs> one of those things is like, so David, how do you feel? You know, you know there's, there's lots of, you're like, she didn't know I was going to say that. I didn't either. Every talk is a surprise. Carry it? on, carry on. You know, it's, you know, David's life was really one of those, just a, a, like a lot of things. If you looked at it from, outside perspective. I know we look at it and we can see the end, but all through it, it's like, you know, your son kicks you out, he's trying to kill you, and then, you know, your right-hand man goes and kills him. There's, there's terrible things, right? And so, but God gave mercy to David over and over and over and over again, so much so that he put Jesus in his line. You know, if I was God, I probably would look at David and think, if I'm, you know, whatever, going to follow the sins of the forefathers to the third and fourth generation, uh-uh, we'll wipe that one out and start over, right? Start over with somebody better. But God's mercy is so great that he just, he reached out and David, he called David a man after his own heart. And so he gave David as a sign, but also as a, pass, a pathway, a passage to bring the seed of Jesus through. So God will make, is making a deal with us, a covenant with us, that he will work through us, that he will give us power. And it's not on, based on our, what we're doing, right or wrong, or what, how we're acting, or how we're fulfilling our end of the deal. It's based on his mercy and his grace. Yeah, um, moving on to um, verse 5 which basically is telling us that God has glorified us so that we can be a blessing and that others will be drawn to us because we can be a blessing to them and they to us. It says, Surely um, you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So God has glorified each and every one of us. 
And I was watching a testimony online this week, and it was about a financial breakthrough someone had had. And they'd actually relied on this scripture. They had declared it over their situation, and they'd stood firmly on it. And they'd seen um, a change in their situation. They were business owners. They'd owned their own business, and business was slow. Business was going down. But they found this scripture which says, you know, nations who do not know you shall run to you because the Lord your God has glorified you. And every morning when they went to their store, before they opened the doors, they would stand there, they would declare this scripture, and they would call customers to them. They would call new customers, old customers, and renewed faithful customers. And they said within a very short space of time, their business was booming. Their business was booming. And so it's so important for us, isn't it, to look at the, what the word. On first viewing, you may not, you'll just read it. You may not think, well, how do I apply that? But this applies to you and I in our everyday situations. And so it's so important that we continue to learn to do that. Yeah, yeah that's so good. When Julia was telling me that story that she'd heard, I was like, well, I, you know, honestly, if I'd read that verse, I would have never applied it in that situation. But, you know, the word of God is made in such a way, God created it, crafted his word, that it's alive and active. So that when that word comes inside you, it becomes alive in you, and then you're like, no, this is my verse. Um, something God told me a couple years ago that goes kind of along with this, um, a lot of times we feel like we don't have the answer or we don't know what to do, and I used to say that all the time, I don't know, I don't know what to do, well, whatever, I don't care. Um, and God, I was saying that one time, and God stopped me, and he was speaking to me. He said, no, I don't want you to say that anymore. I want you to say, I have the answer, because you do have the answer, because I put it inside you. And so even though you may not feel that you have the answer, you need to say, I have the answer. And so I started, that became my confession for a while, that that was the thing I said. And even sometimes I'd just say it to myself. I'd wake up in the morning, and I would say, I have the answer. And it felt really weird at first. It felt super like um, like I was being proud or I was being full of myself. And I, was, and I would say sometimes, like, the enemy would come and say, no, you don't. Who do you think you are? And I would say, I have the answer because of who's inside me, because Jesus is the answer. You know, and, it's, and it sounds strange to say that, but walking through that and, and having that as my confession, that really helped me um, be able to hear God's voice when I'd gotten to a situation where I, in my mind, didn't know what to do. And I would hear God's voice because I had had that confession. And I had focused, you know, my time in saying that, even though it felt wrong, you know. That's such a good word. Yeah. Awesome. And like Aaron was saying, you know, because he is in us all the time, Christ lives in us, we can hear him at any time, can't we? We can call upon him at any time and he'll answer us. And verses 6 to 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, growing up, I grew up with a bit of a misconception about God. I thought he was always angry and ready to wag his finger if I ever did something wrong or messed up. You know, I had such a wrong picture of who God was. And I certainly didn't know this verse, which is um, Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 24. We're going to give you some scriptures today. And it says, 
Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Praise God. They are new every morning. How many? Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Yeah, that's such a powerful verse because a lot of times we feel like we've already messed up, that we can't do anything about what we've done in the past, and we focus on the past things. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't made that deal. I wish I hadn't moved that place. I wish I hadn't said that. And we can go back, and honestly, people's lives are ruined because they live in a place of the past because you can't actually change that. It's all over. Whatever's happened has happened. But this verse is saying, through... Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. No matter what we've done, it's God's mercy applied to us that keeps us from being consumed because his compassions do not fail, meaning that they are not, it doesn't matter. We can't make them fail. You know, it's like a little kid with a, like a, you know, one of those little plastic little tykes hammers trying to break something. You know, it's not going to happen. You know, we can't break God's system. Um, and it says, oh, where am I? I'm looking at my, yeah, the Lord is my portion. You know, we we feel like that our portion should be something else because of the way that we have done something in the past or because something has happened to us in the past, whether it was our fault or not. But God is our portion, so nothing else. If you're, you're taking on something, you're like, oh, that's my lot in life. I have to do this. Um, you know, I have to, you know, to, I made my bed, so I got to lie in it kind of thing. That kind of thought process. Um, that's not what this verse says. This verse says, the Lord is my portion. So whatever bed I made, I'm getting in God's bed. You know, <laughs> whatever thing I, you know, whether I started, God, I'm getting in God's, you know, portion. Because the Lord is my portion, therefore I hope in him. You know, and sometimes it's hard for, hard for our minds to mentally grasp that. Because we just have this idea of this, we've, you know, based on the things we've been told, you know, we've experienced and what we've seen in other people's lives, we've just experienced something different. And it's hard to get our minds to switch out of that mentality. Yeah, and so he follows that in verses um, 8 and 9. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So we need to understand, don't we, that his <clears throat> thoughts sorry, are higher than ours. Heaven, the spirit realm, is higher than anything on the earth, what we would say the natural realm. So we need to seek after him and seek after the spirit rather than our natural carnality. Yeah. And it starts with God's word. It starts with his words spoken that produces evidence in our lives. And if our, our lives don't reflect his kingdom, it's because we're not speaking his words. Um, the, and it says, and he continues in, Isaiah does in verse 10. And it says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So 
shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You know, God's word has a job to do on earth. Just like the rain, it waters the earth and makes it bud and flourish. If you think about it, God's word at the beginning of time created everything and then put the universe into motion. And that word is still good today. And man's sin could not ruin that word. If you think about it, you know, like when man sinned in the Garden of Eden, that you would think that like God set up this perfect world, then you would think it's almost like a house of cards or something. Everything would collapse. But God created his word was so powerful that everything, the earth kept turning, you know, everything kept moving. Um, I'm reminded of that verse that says um, that until the end of the earth, um, the seasons and hot and cold will not end. Like, there's nothing that you can do to ruin it. God has set through his word in motion things that cannot be ruined by man. We cannot screw it up. (laughs) But um, it's just like our words. Our words can do the same thing. Um, They can have purpose and accomplish what we desire, and that can be for good or bad. It can work both ways, and God put um, this in our mouths. When, When man came on earth, God created everything, and then God created man and did something different. He breathed his breath into man's mouth. So he gave us the ability to speak, through his breath. So the difference between us and all of the rest of creation is that God's breath is coming out of us. So his words can come out of our mouth. Um, and that verse that I was remembering is Genesis 8.22. And it says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Um, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Something, I know this verse, we quote this verse a lot, and we think about this verse as pertaining to Christians. But if you look at this verse, it doesn't say that. It says, Death and life are in the power of what? Not the tongue. Not Christians. Not, you know, people that understand who they are in Christ. It's in the tongue. It's in this thing that everyone has in their mouth, right? And it says, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Or in this, this one, I think it's, will eat its fruit. Um, what is it? A lot of times we quote verses, and what is it? It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Which sometimes I've, we were talking about this. <laughs> what is it? It is the tongue. So if we love to use our tongue, which you know, you've probably all met somebody that loves to do that, we'll eat its fruit. And what is its fruit? What is the fruit of the tongue? Well, death or life. So if you're talking, you're eating the fruit thereof, whether it's death or life. And for us, it seems a lot of times... It's, it's a little bit of both, right? You know, some death and some life, you know. Um, it's so powerful. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, um, 
God says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. You know, God's giving us the choice, us the possibility to, um, to bring life and bring death. When we realize that the power that resides in us is God-given, we will begin to live above our circumstances on earth. Have you ever met someone that's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. This terrible thing has happened. But if they knew what to do, if you think about it, in the natural, if they knew what to do about it, they wouldn't feel that way at all. It's like, um, you know, if you come and bring your problem to an expert, and whatever that is, maybe you don't know what's wrong with your car, and you take it to a really good mechanic, and he's like, oh, yeah, I know what the problem is. And he goes over there, flips the switch, and you're like, ah! That was it? Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, we, had our, we had a problem with our bobcat for a while, and we couldn't figure out what it was, and it just wouldn't start. And it was an actuator, and it was cutting the, um, the diesel off, and some, some guy came over, and he's like, oh, yeah. He went round back and hit a button. He started up now. Started right up. Like, and what did you do? Oh, yeah, that'll be $40. You didn't tell us what he did. We had to go to a different mechanic later and find out what had happened. Um, but, you know, it's when it depends on whether you know the answer, right? Whether it's a big deal. But we know the answer. And it's a person. The answer is Jesus. And so we know the answer. So the circumstances in our lives are just problems, but we know the answer to them. We know the answer to every problem that we face. Yeah, and I love then how the the scripture goes on to tell us that we will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Because that's such a powerful thing, isn't it? If our position when we leave somewhere is always a position of joy and peace, that's an awesome place to be, isn't it? An awesome place to be. It says... um, For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. Think about that. I mean, if I'm honest, I don't really think about that when I leave the house every day. I don't think. I'm leaving out of this door with joy and peace as my buddies. I'm not conscious of it. But that is our permanent position. The word joy in the Hebrew is shimka. I hope I'm saying that right. And it means glee, exceeding gladness, joyfulness, and rejoicing. Now, how many of us do that in the morning when we leave for work? (laughs) But that, God says, is our position in Christ, is how we should be when we leave. Mm -hmm. The word peace in Hebrew is shalom. We've all heard of that word, haven't we? And it means completeness safety, soundness, welfare, health, prosperity, tranquil, quiet, contentment, and friendship with God and man. Wow, that's a, that's a lot, isn't it? So if our permanent position is peace, if when we go out we don't feel peace, we should be thinking, okay, God, my position is peace here. I'm feeling uneasy about something. And we should ask God, we should seek him. Okay, is there something wrong? Do you need to um, tell me about something, warn me about something, or just even help me? Just even help me. And so 2 Thessalonians uh, 3.16 says, 
Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always and in every way. And in Philippians 4, 7, it says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we had been um, planning to go on a sort of mini missions trip, hadn't we? And we thought this was going to be good. We were going to do outreach. We may even get to pray for people. And every time I prayed about whether we should go, I just felt this unrest in me. I did not have peace about just going. Now, you wouldn't think that right, would you? You'd think, okay, I'm going out to do something for the Lord. This is all going to be good. But I just did not have peace about it. So anyway, we declined, didn't we? We didn't go in the end. Yeah. And it wasn't until after the team got back that it was revealed to us that, by God, had we had gone it would have been detrimental to some future plans that we had, wouldn't we? we it would wouldn't have been have, a disaster. It would have been a disaster had we gone. So we really thank God that even when we think, oh, this seems like a good thing to do, it may not be for our benefit. So listening to that peace, you know, having that position of peace as we go out every day, yeah. if we don't have it, we need to inquire of the Lord. And then this is one of my favorite things, and this is something that God's challenged me this week, and it's verse 12. And this is where the trees part comes in, okay? So you need to be on your chairs, ready and waiting to hear this. But um, the verse 12, it says, The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Again, when we go out in the morning, are we aware that the mountains and the hills are singing because we've left the house? Do we see the trees waving at us? I think the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, some of you may. I've never really thought We'd be thought surprised if we heard a yes. <laughs> you know, but we've just learned, haven't we, that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. But it says here that the mountains and the hills shall break forth in singing before you, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Now, we need to believe that all things are possible, right? You know, we've got a supernatural God. His ways are not our ways. This, this is perfectly um, able to happen. Spiritual realm, this is able, we're able to see this. It's not a natural thought for us, is it, to think that this could happen. It's not a natural thought for us to think, I can calm the storm with the power of my words. But Jesus did it. Yeah. In Mark 4.39, Jesus calmed the storm. He said, peace be still. And then his disciples said, well, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? And so God, from day one, showed his power on earth by allowing or permitting things to happen. In Genesis 1-3, God said when he was creating the earth, he said, let there be light. Let there be light. Now, he could have just said, light be. Light be, and here's light. But he said, let there be light. He's giving his permission for something to happen, isn't he? So, um, we too have this same power. In Matthew 16, 9, it says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, 
And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so Aaron was saying earlier how God created everything by his words. And in Hebrews 11.3 in the Amplified, it says, By faith, that is, with an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God, we understand that the worlds were framed and created, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So we now have that same dominion to create and see things on earth, don't we, that are not made with our visible eyes. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, the earth, and every creeping thing. So that verse is really powerful because we've got dominion over all of creation. So creation must acknowledge us as having authority over them. And it says all creation knows this. They cheer when we go out. Like we've just read, the mountains and the hills shall sing. The trees will wave their hands. Romans 8.19 says, For even the whole of creation, all of nature, waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. So even though this particular verse is talking about Christ's return, in Isaiah we're already seeing that even today those things are happening, but do we see it? Do we see it when we walk out the door? Are we looking with spiritual eyes? Are we walking in the spirit? Or are we just seeing what naturally is outside the door? Yeah, just a, just a thought about that. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, the people that spent their whole lives studying and hoping that he would come did not see him. They talked to him and they did not see him. And he even quoted kind of, a, a, like kind of alluded to this verse um, when everyone was shouting Hosanna and they said, make your disciples be quiet. The people that had studied and in eager anticipation, it wasn't like these are mean guys. They're in eagerly anticipating the Messiah coming. They tell him, the Messiah, make your disciples be quiet because you can't be the Messiah. And Jesus said, even the rocks and the, um, the rocks will cry out. Right, right. If, they, if these people were silent. It's just, a lot of times, it's not that it's not there, it's that we're not seeing it. So this week, I was going for a walk, as my usual daily walk, and having meditated on this scripture, when I went out the door, I was declaring, okay, I shall go out with joy and peace. I shall go out with joy and peace. And the mountains and the hills will be singing and the trees will be clapping their hands at me. And we all know that song, don't we? The trees of the field shall clap their hands and the trees of the field shall clap their hands and the trees of the field shall clap their hands and we'll go out with joy. When I was young, that used to be my favorite song. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? Well, anyway, as I was on my walk, I was thinking about that song. I was humming it to myself. And I was picturing the trees waving at me, clapping their hands, clapping their branches. And 
we live in a bit of a hilly area and I was like, those hills are singing to me because I'm a child of God and I'm walking out here. And all of a sudden I was overcome by joy, an unexplainable joy that I've never had before. Like, wow, this creation knows who I am. Like I'm a child of God and they're waiting for me to bring God's glory to the earth. You know, we looked at, we, um, last time we spoke about, um, I'll go cry, Colossians 1.27, where it yes. says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So when we get a revelation of Christ in us, we are the hope of bringing God's glory to the earth. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is amazing. Yeah. And anyway, I was on my, keep going on my walk, and... This week I've been reading about the Queen. It was her 96th birthday this week. And um, she's also celebrating her jubilee. It's 70 years on the throne this year. So I've been reading about that. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, you know, Julia, you are royalty. Like just as you've been reading about the Queen and people wave at the Queen when she comes down the road. This is what creation is doing to you when you walk down the, the road, because you're my hope in the world. Mm. Well, I started doing the royal wave to the trees. I was like, oh. I was like, oh, if anyone can see me now. <laughs> but I tell you, the joy, you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. This was overwhelming and flowing up in me. And some people would say, well, Julia, that's ridiculous. You're picturing trees waving at you and saying hello you know but God says all these things are possible and in the spirit this is what happens every time we leave this door every time you leave to go to work every time you journey along the trees are going yay child of God you're here yeah when we were when Julia was telling me about that story she's like you don't think I'm crazy do you and I was like no and we were talking about this verse a mark 10 15 out of the Amplified, and it says, I assure you, Jesus is speaking, and most solemnly say to you, whoever does not receive and welcome the kingdom of God like a child will not enter at all. Um, you know, I guess then there was organized religion, now there's organized religion, and we, we've all probably grown up with this idea that, like, church is for adults, you know, this, this, like, we have to have, be really, you know, have a PhD to be able to understand the things of God. But that's not what Jesus said here. Jesus said that whoever doesn't receive and welcome the kingdom of God, like a child, will not enter at all. And so it's a requirement to enter the kingdom of God to, to see this verse where it says, the mountains and the hills will break forth before you and the trees will clap their hands. And what, if you told a child that, what would they do? They would be like, okay, let's see it. You know, they'd be like, well, okay, when can we see that? You know, it's, we have to change our mindset from this, like we have to mentally come up with a reason that this is not what that means. You know, we have to come up with a reason that this is not how it is. Instead, we need to look at it like a little child and say, okay, you know, God, when am I going to get to see that? You know, it's something that we cannot analyze with our minds. You know, it's something that God set up to confound the wise people. God made a system and he said, 
in my kingdom, the last will be first. So what I'm going to do is, everything that makes sense to you, it's the opposite. You know, if, some, if someone does something bad to you, forgive them. Don't hold, you know, a grudge. You know, the world looks at that and says, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? You know, because then you're letting them off the hook. But God says, no, just forgive them. That's when you unleash the power of God in your life. You know, when we look at these things, they're counterintuitive to us. But not, they're not counterintuitive to a child, you know. A lot of children, some, something bad, you know, the kid kicks sand in their eyes. They'll be like, I forgive you. And they'll, they'll go and choose to forgive. And it's not counterintuitive to them, but it's counterintuitive to us. Um, and that's why Jesus said, you must accept and become like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because that's how it's set up, just on us believing, like you said earlier. Yeah, and I think, um, I don't know whether it was Joe that shared this, maybe Ryan a few weeks ago, but you're talking about the Azusa Street revival and how um, William Seymour, you know, he sat at the front with a box on his head for hours on end. I mean, how ridiculous does that look? I mean, if Ryan sat here with a box on his head, we would, you know, would we embrace that? I mean, we need to be walking in the supernatural spirit realm. Mm -hmm. You know, if God says do it. We need to do it. If God says this is possible, we need to believe that it's possible, don't we? I remember um, Andrew Romack telling a story when we were at Bible College of when he was in a conference, doing a conference, and he was at the front, and it was in praise and worship, and he was praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, he saw the doors to the side fling open, and he saw in the Spirit Jesus walk into the room, and then he was walking down the aisle touching certain people and they were being healed, delivered and set free. And as he continued to worship, he said, then in the natural, all of a sudden the doors flung open. He didn't see Jesus walking, but the people that he'd just seen being touched in the spirit were then receiving from Jesus their healing or deliverance. And so it's important, isn't it, for us to realize that we're spirit beings and that yeah. we can see in the spirit the things of God. Yeah. You know, Jesus also said, and I think one of the keys to his ministry um, was that he didn't do anything unless he saw the Father doing it. He didn't say anything unless he's heard the Father saying it. So he focused on what was God doing, and he didn't look at all the other things around him. You know, and there's so many times when the disciples are asking him, you know, why, you know, don't you see we're about to die? You know, why? And then they come to him, hey, why couldn't we do that? <laughs> you know, it's, it's really because of their focus. Who, who were they focusing on? They were focusing on the problem. The disciples are always come to Jesus. Hey, we don't have anything to eat. What are we going to do? You know, Jesus never was looking at the problem. He's always looking at the source. And so we have that same opportunity. We can either look at the problem or we can look at the source. You know, we can look at God. And the way that we're going to receive from God is in the supernatural. And that way that we're going to walk in anything that has to do with the kingdom of God on earth is to focus on God, the king. Not to focus on the enemy. You know, you, if you want to operate in a kingdom, you focus on the king and the king's leadership. Not on every, all of your neighbors, all of the enemy. You focus on your leader. Um, sometimes we focus on physical things that can be also be taught. Like even, not, and this isn't bad, but a lot of times, and I grew up with 
this idea that you find somebody who's a leader, like a spiritual leader, and then you listen to what they say and what they've experienced, and that's how you learn. You just learn from their experience. But if you think about that, that's like taking your child on vacation, uh, you know, maybe some place that they would like to go, the beach or theme park or something, and they've got something over their eyes, and if it was me, it was like a plastic bucket or something, and they started asking you, what, hey, what does it look like? Well, you could choose to tell them what, you could describe to them what it looks like. Oh, well, it's really big, oh, the sand is everywhere, and there's water. But wouldn't you want them just to see for themselves? A lot of times we focus on like looking for other people that have been somewhere. We're like, oh, that's really awesome. But God's heart is that you see it. It's not that he's withholding those things for just a few, you know, just Andrew Womack or just Ryan or just anyone. He wants you to see it because he wants you to experience it, just like you would want your child to experience it. You would be more concerned about removing the blinders from your child's eyes you say, oh, take that bucket off your head, Aaron, you know, then describing how it is. And God's heart is come. You know, if you look in at the end in Revelation, Jesus is saying, come, come, come. And he keeps saying it over and over, come, come, come. He wants us to see, he wants us to experience the supernatural life. Yeah, and I love how um, Isaiah rounds this off, comes to a close by saying that we're going to keep growing. You know, we're going from glory to glory. We're going to keep learning how to do this spirit walk. We're going to keep searching after God and the things of him, aren't we? It says in verse 13, Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name and for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So I love that God, you know, likens us to a cypress tree. You know, they are long-living trees. I think the oldest recorded tree is over a thousand years old and they're rapidly growing. They have a rapid growth rate. And so that's you and I when we get into the word. We're growing all the time. They're also good in drought weather. So they also are able to stand. And, you know, they have a really dense foliage. Anybody who knows what a cypress tree looks like, the, the branches are very tight, and birds love to nest in them. So they provide refuge and food for others. The myrtle tree, too, is a source of life and fertility. I looked this up. That's what it says about a myrtle tree. So that's us, isn't it? We're providing life for other people. And we shall be fertile in all the things, the promises of God. And I love, too, that the myrtle tree is very aromatic and fragrant. And so when we were worshipping here earlier, I just felt that the the sweet spirit of Jesus, you know, that fragrant aroma of him was, was very evident, like we are when we go out into the world. Yeah. But also it says that we won't be like the thorn bush. And it says instead of, like... Those things were first. Those things were what we've experienced. Instead of the thorn shall come up a cypress tree. As though thorns before, but instead of that now, now the cypress tree, instead of the briar comes up the myrtle tree. And, you know, and a thorn bush is prickly, and you know, you use, it's used to keep people away. They pl- you know, would plant them even to try to keep animals in like a fence. Um, and it was intimidating and defensive. And that kind of type of person is somebody you don't want to meet, is it? 
It's not the kind of person that you want to, like, snuggle up to, a thorn bush, um, or put in, you know, whatever, lay on it as a pillow, um, or the nettle, and it's like a, like a stinging nettle, and it's prickly with stinging hairs that burn and used to strike and annoy and irritate. Um, you know, we'll be like the cypress and myrtle tree, and it'll be a testimony and a witness to the world of the Lord's presence in our lives that we have the answer. And as we walk in the Spirit, and we're growing from glory to glory. We're going from a place here, we're going to greater. And it's getting greater and greater and greater. And there's no limit to that. There is no limit to God's glory. And so if we're going from glory to glory, we're, there's no limit on where we, we've, there is no ceiling for us. We just keep growing. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.16-18 through 18 says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It was like I was talking earlier about, you know, taking, like if you had a child that had a veil over their eyes or something was covering their eyes, that would be taken away. You would want to take that away. And it says, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And we hear this verse a lot. We quote this verse a lot here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But first, before there's liberty, the veil has to be removed. But we all, in verse 18, it says, with unveiled face, that's like the prerequisite that our face is unveiled, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's an amazing verse because when our face is unveiled, you know, when we see it with a veil, we're seeing who we are in the flesh because it says the Lord is spirit. So the veil is veiling us to the spirit realm. We're not able to see the spirit realm. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So once you have an unveiled face and you see in the spirit realm, now you have liberty because you're seeing God as a spirit. And it says, but we all with unveiled face, and our faces are unveiled, beholding as in a mirror. So we're looking in a mirror, and we're seeing the glory of God in our face. You know, we're not looking at God, we're beholding as in a mirror, we're beholding ourselves, and it's the glory of God flowing through us, because we have unveiled faces. Um, are, we are being transformed into the same image of God from glory to glory. So as we go on, as time goes on, we're transformed from this amount of glory, which is already the glory of the Lord in the mirror, us, and we're going to greater glory by the Spirit of God. So if the Spirit is residing in you, if you're saved, you're being transformed into looking exactly like Jesus. So really, to summarize all of that, Isaiah 55 is a great verse, chapter for us to look at. You know, how can we walk in this supernatural life? Um, you know, we learn in the first point that we must come to him and to hear him. Like, listen, 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 listen. He gives us food which will satisfy. We need to understand the things of the Spirit that can only be understood by the Spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. 
nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So as Aaron was talking earlier about um, the Word of God, you know, we need to believe that what we're speaking is going to come to pass, Mm -hmm. good or bad, let's make it for good. And every morning, I challenge you this week, whenever you leave your front door, declare, I'm going out with joy and peace. That's my position in Christ, joy and peace at all times. And then I challenge you again. So challenge number one, challenge number two, sing that song to yourselves. I shall go out with joy and be loved with peace, and the mountains and the hills shall bring and I guarantee if you sing that as you're going out you will experience that overwhelming joy in your life so I want to hear reports next week Julia I did what you said every day I went out and sang that song you wouldn't believe well we do believe don't we because God says that these things are possible yeah yeah we need to see in the spirit more and more that's the key to us going in greater glory, we have to have unveiled faces. And our joy will be unstoppable. You know, the things that try to come at us from the world, that try to slow us down, we, because we have the answer, and we're focused on the answer in the spirit, all the other stuff's like, oh, no problem. You know, it's just like when you were maybe a teenager, and you didn't have, you know, whatever, $5, $10, and you're like, oh, what am I going to do? That's not a problem for you anymore. You know, the things as we grow, the things that used to be a problem are no longer a problem. Hey, that's no problem at all. You know, that's not, a, that's not an issue for us. Oh, how am I going to get, you know, enough money to put gas in the tank? Oh, that's not a problem anymore. You know, and it's when you overcome those problems, it's not because you figure something out other than just your eyes are unveiled. Actually, that never was a problem. You know, that actually never was a problem for me. It's now I've overcome this it's mentally really you know it's like a lot of things even physical things like running and swimming those things scientists have seen and have and have realized that these things are mental they're more mental than they are physical um i saw this little thing this little side note as in closing they had taken a rat maybe you've told this story before i've told it to a lot of people but they took a rat and put it in a cup of water and the rat started swimming, and it swam for a couple minutes, and then it started drowning. Then they took a rat, they put the rat back in the cage, took the rat back out, put it in the water, and then, then they let it swim for a couple minutes, and they took it out, and they set it down. And they put the rat back in the water, and they took it out and set it down. Then they put the rat back in the water, and the rat tread water for, like, I want to say 48 hours. It was many hours that the rat tread, was able to tread water because he thought they were going to take him out and put him on the side. So mentally, the rat had this ceiling of what he could go to. He could, but then when he believed that he was going to be saved, no problem. He could, he could keep swimming. It's just an amazing thing. It's, a lot of times, it's our, we have veiled eyes. The solution is within us. But sometimes we're drowning, and it's not because we can't swim. It's because we believe we can't. It's actually in our minds that we don't have the answer. We need to see the Spirit, and our joy will be unstoppable, and then we will prosper and grow from glory to glory, improving all the time, and the things 
of God and our walk with him. Because that's the goal, is to walk with him. Because he is the solution. He is um, our source. So if you'd stand, we're going to pray for you. God, we just thank you for every person here today, God. God, I thank you for everyone that's watching on live stream, that will watch on live stream. I just bless them in your name. God, I thank you that you are revealing yourself to them, that we, with unveiled faces, are beholding your glory as in a mirror, your glory through us. I just pray, God, that that each person here would grow more and more in knowledge and all discernment of your love for them, of your glory flowing through them, of your power working in them. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks for coming.